Hey guys, Michael here, and we're back to break down episode three of Lego Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters, where every podcast is definitely an 11 on the Brichter scale. I'm so excited to break down everything from this episode, just like I break down the Lego news every Saturday on my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks. And don't forget to subscribe because I'll be having an exit interview with the team that went home this week coming up soon. So with all that out of the way, let's jump into it. Well, I'm still shaking after tonight's episode, but I'm so excited to bring some really special guests back for his second appearance. We've got Tyler Kleitz and back for his uh, premiere for season two. We've got Corey Samuels. Say hello to everyone on the podcast. Hola. Hey, everybody. Well, this was a really, really fun episode and definitely one of the crazier ones for sure. You know, what's your raw reaction to just what you saw tonight, Corey? My raw reaction is how as much as everything comes up, somehow they all seem to fall down. And I felt horrible this episode. <laughs> this is back-to-back Lego Masters destroying people's creations. This does not help me as an educator because I tell my students, please do not throw or break their stuff. Kind of break it down piece by piece, nice and neat. Now Lego Masters is giving them carte blanche to just go ahead and do it because they saw it on TV. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I hate, I hate episodes like this, but it is um, fun to see the challenge as as a whole. So, you know, I'm, I'm torn. Yeah, no, I feel the same way, um, especially when all the pieces break. A, a lot of times people even online will do like drop tests, like they'll take the giant 800 piece Millennium Falcon and drop it off the roof of their house or whatever it is. And I get so sad about it because I also know like every piece is going to get chipped or stretched or strained. And, like the pieces will never work the way that they used to. Um, and I guess we should be lucky that none of them were building, especially with brown or dark red, because we know that those are the most fragile Lego colors uh, that just so happen to break. Even if you're just playing with things nicely. Uh, I just had a, a brown piece break recently. Oh, Corey's holding up one that he just broke. Um, but yeah, that was uh, it's always a little painful that, you know, that sound of crashing Lego is something I think that uh, us Lego fans, it definitely hits us pretty hard. What did you think about the episode, Tyler? I think I'm I'm the opposite of Corey. Corey doesn't want to see Lego destroyed. I love seeing Lego get, get destroyed. Maybe, maybe not uh, on a daily basis, but for special occasions like this, I, I love it. It's It's kind of cathartic. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where it's like, maybe I wouldn't break my Lego, but I'd break your Lego, you know, so if it's the show's Lego, that's fine. Like, you can stress those bricks, break those bricks, that's fine. But uh, but just don't touch my Millennium Falcon. Uh, I'll go back to that. Um, but yeah, I think this was a really interesting one. And I think that this was probably one of the challenges that involves a little bit more strategy than some of the other ones that we've seen, because this is really one of the more technical challenges. We really only had one episode, um, well, I guess you could argue, I guess it was the two challenges in the one episode of the super bridges. So there was the cars that was a little bit of a challenge, the race, as well as the bridges itself. But really, the bridges is the one that comes to mind for most people. And, you know, when you're when you were in that episode, Tyler, you know, how do you think a technical challenge just changes the way you have to approach going into one of these challenges, knowing that it's not just the standard clicking the bricks together as, you know, with some of the other challenges? Yeah, it's completely different because you have to tap into like a different set of resources uh, that you wouldn't normally use. Uh, certainly, there's always a, a a structural aspect to whatever you're doing, but you're not building it with the intent of somebody necessarily putting it on a shake plate or putting a thousand pounds on it. <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to tap into something a little bit different and start thinking about the bricks in a different way for something like this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so hard and we saw a lot of the teams struggle even with where to start, you know, so I'm curious your thoughts, Corey, you know, you're, you, you and uh, Travis, you're back in season two. Now you're given this challenge. Where do you start with a 
challenge like this? You know, I, I was just talking to Travis about um, about the challenge as well. So at home, we did a we did like a like a city challenge as well for during season one. We, we were doing little challenges, and one of our challenges we did a building which was about three feet tall, and we struggled on just the starting point. So I feel as though that that will be the hardest part for us. Uh, starting this challenge, we're in season two, kind of just figuring out, okay, well, the the residency of the shake is going to start from the ground level and is gonna is gonna travel upwards. So if we have a strong foundation and if the foundation is solid, then and if we can continue that solid solidarity all the way up, you know, we have a good chance. So I, I feel as though that we would probably be where Moto. And, and Paris was like they were kind of at that ground level, still trying to figure it out. Like, okay, where are we? Where are we going to go from here? And every time they went a step, they like up. Oh, you know, that might not work. We got to re- we got to restart. So I feel as though that we would have been in that same predicament. But um, you know, the end result probably would have been different or the same. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to just even get through the challenge. You know, they gave them that specific requirement to make them four feet tall. And Jamie cited this statistic. They, you know, an average, you know, good builder can put 500 bricks down per hour. And just in case you didn't want to do the math, I did. And so that is eight bricks per minute. And that is one brick every 7.5 seconds. So I feel like, you you know, we probably could build a little bit faster, but for eight hours, I don't know if I could keep up that sort of pace. You know, Tyler, I know some of your builds, especially towards the end of the season were massive. You know, do you think that 500 bricks per hour is reasonable? Is it not enough? Yeah, it's definitely a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It just reminds me of the bridge challenge where we had, uh, I think we had seven hours. Some teams had less than seven hours to build, to span something six feet. And yeah, it was a challenge just to get enough pieces there in the right places. It was, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. And I think about like the poor calloused fingers. I remember when I was, it reminds me of when I was trying to learn guitar and uh, the, the guitar strings would just like shred my fingers up when I first started playing. So I have to imagine that those round studs uh, become just as sharp on your fingertips as they do at the bottom of people's feet uh, that everyone loves to joke about. But I'm curious, you know, when it comes to this challenge for me as like a strategic minded person, I love Tyler, you know, other reality TV shows where it's a lot about the social strategy and some of those things. I'm definitely trying to think about the overall strategy that I would take in this challenge. And part of me thinks there's 11 teams. I really just can't be the worst. And so part of me feels like I'm going to make the ugliest building that will land me firmly in the middle of the pack. You know, like, like at that point, I I don't, I don't need to win. The gold brick isn't up, up for grabs. I just need to survive. And so aesthetics be damned. And I sort of felt something similar during the bridge challenge last season, where it was just sort of like, I think just get it done. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Um, you know, I'm curious your thoughts, Tyler. Obviously your bridge was one of the most aesthetic with the beautiful butterflies and things like that. Do you think that there's some sort of emergent strategy that I may be onto here? Yeah, I mean, the our, our strategy at least, and it seems like this type of challenge breeds this sort of strategy of just try and stay out of the bottom two. Um, a lot of other challenges, you end up trying to build for that top spot and really prove yourself. This is one where you just want to stay out of the bottom two and be safe and survive it because it is a a destructive challenge and you just want to survive. Yeah. I mean, especially like when, when, you know, all the sides of your building can fall off and you can still do very well in the challenge. Part of me feels like, uh, all the time wasted on aesthetics could have been put into structural integrity and, you know, and, you know, listen, maybe you don't win you know, but, but you're there. 
and you're, you're there to survive another day. Well, you know, what do you think about that, Corey? Is there some sort of more devious strategy that, that you could take? So I, I want to, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because uh, even though aesthetics, you know, you just want to try to get, either get to the top or, you know, kind of get to the middle. I feel as though for this episode, that could have been the mindset. I think that was the mindset of some of the teams and you saw where it landed them, even though they were pretty high on that, on that shake pad, you know, it, it, it boiled down to their aesthetics. So if you, if they'd said, you know what, forget aesthetics, let's focus on the build structure and kind of go from there. And they ended into the bottom three or bottom two or whatever. Now their aesthetics is going to play a, a role of whether or not they go home. So all those yeah. factors you also have to take into consideration, especially on Lego Masters, because, you know, the, the Brick Masters are looking for you to be technical, but they're also looking for you to build something that looks, you know, aesthetically pleasing to them. So you, you have to kind of find that balance in between. There, there's almost three strategies that I can kind of think of for a challenge like this. There's the build the ugliest and strongest, build the weakest and the most beautiful, or try and do something in between. And I, I think everybody, for the most part, tried to do something in between uh, to greater or lesser degrees. Uh, but I think those are probably the three different strategies that one could take on this. Yeah. And I do think that there is a piece of it where if the judges get any sort of sense that you're trying to circumvent the rules of the challenge, that they may be um, quite unforgiving in their approval of you or disapproval of you. I sort of feel like, you know, to your point, I can make the beautiful, most beautiful tower. And if it broke at two and everyone else made it to eight, I think I'd still lose. You know, I, I, they said, you know, if you land in the bottom two, then it's aesthetics. But I do feel like they'd be like, but you didn't even make it to eight. You know, it's like, I, I think at that point they would, they would never praise me for that. And, and listen, I, uh, I don't blame them for that. You know, what, what I found was very interesting is how the approach that every team took in order to do this challenge, like the interior, some of them had interiors that were technical. Some of them had intricate, like interlocking, and some just had a hollowed, a hollowed center. And, you know, there, there really wasn't any type of rule as far as how to build, to make this tower, just make the tower to the best of your ability. So I think they kind of left that open-ended, but they also threw that aesthetically pleasing just in case your tower does not stand to be in the middle or top that we can still look at it and say, hey, you know what? Even though it fell, the way it fell was very beautiful. So, you know, you, you have to kind of play, play that on both sides. Well, and it's also a TV show. You know, I think that a lot of the builds last season that were, you know, just praised in, in many of the challenges were the ones that were this, the biggest, the most colorful, the, you know, all these things that would play well as a model in the studio, but also really well on TV. So you have to imagine that the TV component always has to become really the priority. And this was probably maybe some of some of the most plain builds, especially for some of the teams that we've seen and hopefully will see um, as they get a better chance to put their their bricks towards the aesthetics in the future. So let's jump then back into the episode and sort of set things up. Will, at the start of the episode, you know, starting it like any normal one, we see a giant tower, but then all of a sudden the lights start to flicker and everything goes wrong. And who does he call? But Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, as a fan of uh, some movies back in the day, I always think of the movie Can't Hardly Wait with Jennifer Love Hewitt. She was definitely a staple uh, in entertainment, you know, kind of as I was growing up. But were you excited to see Jennifer Love Hewitt on our screens tonight? I, I must say I was very uh, surprised. I, at first, I didn't even recognize her. She looks so different now from when, you know, I remember Jennifer Love Hewitt from like the 90s and stuff like that. But um, it, it was very, it was pretty fun to see them in that role and to see them kind of playing that 
I thought it was cool. Yeah. And it was a kind of a smart way considering that they can't have the celebrities because of all the restrictions, you know, going on during this time, they can't have them barge in through a wall like Terry Crews. I think this was definitely a pretty interesting kind of a way to squeeze it in and still have some of that, you know, star power. And of course, brand synergy, as we always love. Um, but I thought that this one was, uh, was, was pretty good of, of all the ones, but I also really like a lot of the little builds that they do, like the phone that Will had. And I'm always like, oh, you know, how do I get one of those? I always like the little props uh, that they have, even the the scale that they use this time is all brick built. Um, but what did you think about the setup for this one, Tyler? Uh, honestly, I thought it was a little awkward and forced. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't want to use that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave it in. We'll leave it in. I think it's really funny, though. Um, you know, I'm curious, you know, when they're doing some of these things, you know, d- does the people at, in the studio even know that Jennifer Love Hewitt is there? You know, or is all this set up afterwards? Do they even get to be in on any of the fun? Or are the producers just being like, now gasp? Now laugh. Now, you know, uh, look at each other in shock, you know. I imagine that they're seeing it. For example, when they did the Evil Will during the the Good versus Evil challenge, uh, his video is playing on the the screen where the clock is normally displayed. So we could see that. So I imagine that's that's what's happening. Gotcha, gotcha. I did like, though, that he put uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Will put Jennifer Love Hewitt in her place when she used Legos instead of Lego bricks. Uh, he learned that season one, and that's definitely stuck for season two. So I definitely enjoyed that one. But this challenge, the make and shake challenge, this is definitely like we talked about one of the crazier ones. They wanted to build a, stru- a structure strong enough to survive an earthquake and that it would all be measured on the Brichter scale, which is, of course, a pun on the Richter scale of how earthquakes work. Um, but I thought that this was a really fun challenge. And again, only eight hours to do the strongest and most aesthetic like we talked about. Uh, as far as the podcast goes, we typically talk about things in terms of the build phase, which is, you know, how their building time went, how they planned, how they struggled, all those sort of things. But with so many teams, what we did last episode and what we'll do today is I'll guide us through some of the teams that were more heavily featured so we can talk about their experience during the build phase. And the first one, and maybe the most you know, prevalent one through the night was really Moto and Paris. I think that this was probably the, they were the team to watch in a lot of ways. And the show was really setting them up uh, with a lot of struggles. And one of the interesting things for me was that it felt like they spent a lot of time in the planning phase and they couldn't really get on the same page as the king of spending a lot of time on the planning phase, Tyler, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how this build phase went for them. I am all for more planning rather than less. And in the end, I think it really pays off for them. But uh, planning, you cannot discount planning. You have to plan. And especially on a build like this, it behooves the team to actually sit down and take a lot of time if necessary, even on a shorter build, to get their plan right. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think that that happened a couple of times, certainly even with you and Amy, where the, the show would lead us to believe like you were never going to get this thing done. But all of a sudden you had a perfect plan and the, and it just bricks magically appeared and there was your beautiful structure. So, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, measure measure twice, cut once, you know, in these situations. But I think the other piece, though, was that they are new to be building with each other. That was something we found out in the preseason and even right at the start of the season where Paris even says that he's feeling frustrated with Moto. He says, quote, I don't even know what you're doing. Uh, Corey, you know, I'm curious to, you know, get your thoughts on that. Was there ever a time you and Travis just like weren't even talking? You weren't on the same page. And how did you deal with that? First episode, uh, within the first, 
I would say hour, two hours of our build. Um, because my brother is very, he's very headstrong. So he's very, you know, mindset like, oh, I think we should do this. And I'm, I'm the builder. So I'm like, ah, that's not going to work. I, I see where you're going for, but you and like me building it alone is going to take more time and I can't help you build and build at the same time. So we, we kind of bumped heads. Uh, every now and again during that time where I had to go and build in the brick in the brick pit for a little bit. Cause I was just like, all right, I, I, I know what's going to happen. We're brothers. I know we know each other and we don't want that to be on TV and we don't want to, you know, interrupt our, our, you know, our fellow cast members. So, you know, I had to separate myself. So I can definitely understand where, where Paris is going with, um, with Moto, especially, especially with this type of build, you want to, you want to be able to bang out the best, possible build and if you're struggling and time is ticking you know you're gonna you're gonna rush it and if you don't do it correctly i was talking about it earlier you can miss you could your whole thing can shatter if you don't snap one piece together like is that easy so you have to you have to take that time and it's hard to do that when the clock is no for sure it's definitely hard and it's one of those things that i'm sure you know only people like you who have actually been on the show could even totally appreciate because uh for us at home it's sort of like yeah just talk about it. like just get built like you know get building guys like get building um but in the moment you know everything's on the line every every episode you know certainly with 11 teams like we said there's probably a lot of places to hide but it's also you know your reputation you know a lot of these people are big members of the lego community you are known for being engineers you don't want to screw this challenge up especially um but yeah they were really relying on a lot of interesting you know just past experience Things like uh, the pyramid or the hexagon, the honeycomb, that these naturally occurring elements would you know, be very strong just inherently. And I'm curious you know, if you were familiar with any of that, Corey, you know, prior to this episode, because I feel like I got a big education here. <laughs> yeah, definitely the interlocking is something that I've tried before with my previous builds. Um, actually, the build that uh, Moto did with the, uh, the skeleton, the Technic skeleton, and the one that um, I think Susan and... And Jen did as well with the Technic skeleton. I I I've always found that to be probably the best type of of structural, just because of the fact that as it's shaking and because of those Technic pieces are are connected together. If you do it right, it's just going to sway with the rest of the build, which is basically how they do in in regular like in regular architecture, like when they're building models and they're testing it to see if, if there's an earthquake. Will this will this building, you know, survive? You know, these are the steps that they take to see if it's going to be able to do it. So, you know, technique is definitely, in my opinion, the way to go. Yeah, no, I definitely think you're right. A lot of times we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the trailer for this episode in the last podcast, but yeah, they they expect the building to shake in an earthquake. They they encourage it to shake because they want it to just control and absorb that rather than buckle and break under the pressure. I remember Tyler, I think in our exit interview from last season. You mentioned how when you were doing the build challenge that the Technic bricks were snapped up like right away. Uh, it seems like they may have a little bit more Technic this season, but I'm curious your thoughts about how, you know, they how to think through these structural components. Yeah, at least for our challenge, uh, you know, the bridge challenge, it seemed like we wanted something very rigid and strong. Um, for this one, I think what really worked well is sort of the flex that the Technic has, like it's strong, but it's also flexible. And I think that's what we saw with Moto and Paris is like, it just, it had kind of this wave pattern as it's, you know, just moving with the, like the whole thing is just flexing and moving, but it's not going anywhere. It's not being destroyed. 
Uh, so I think that rigidity of just plain old bricks may be a maybe not be the strongest thing. The, the I think like Corey was saying, the the flex that some of the technic has to be able to move with the movements is key. Yeah. And, you know, Moto went on to explain that it's the lighter the building that actually helps it to do better in this case, that the shake sort of uses its weight against you, sort of like how you would in wrestling. You know, you sort of want to use your your opponent's momentum and their weight against them to throw them down on the mat. So, yeah, it definitely seems to pay off in a similar way like you're describing. So let's move on this time to Zach and Tim. Certainly, I think the show again here was setting them up similar to last episode, just sort of struggling to, uh, you know, to get started, to, you know, get these things put together. Um, And, you know, they had some pretty funny moments, though, too. I remember uh, there was one time where Tim tells Zach that he was correct about something. And Maria from uh, another team was sort of like, you know, your dad told you you were right. Like, don't don't ever let him forget this, Um, which I thought was pretty funny. But certainly this team you know, had a little bit of concerns, I think just getting going on this one, you know, especially because, you know, Tim, I think one of their things was they were worried that they would even get it done. Um, You know, Amy comes over and gives them the additional lay on about aesthetics, but they were just worried about getting something on the table. Uh, You know, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, they seem to start out really fast putting down some bricks because they're worried about that time limit. Again, we talked about planning. I think they they didn't do as much planning in the beginning because they're so scared by the the time limit that they have that they just started putting down bricks. And I think we saw that, as you mentioned, with Brickmaster Amy coming in and reminding them, we need to see some aesthetics as well. Yeah. And the judges kind of had a slightly heavier hand that we saw in the show. Jamie went on to say, you know, there was a clean, flat surface. That's the perfect breaking point. And I'm curious, you know, to get your thoughts, Corey. I think a lot of the teams took a similar strategy where they started tapering their tiers smaller and smaller uh, just to save on the time, I'm guessing. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah. As soon as Jamie said that, uh, Brickmaster Jamie, I I said, yeah, that, that was like, that was the one point that I was looking for as a viewer to see if it was going to break at that point. And a lot of the teams, uh, some of the teams were pretty smart in how they went about doing it to where a lot of their builds, you could see half of their builds were still intact while the top part was the one that shook and fell off. So, I mean, they, they, did, they did a good job pointing it out. And I think a lot of teams decided to like, uh, you know, let's focus on the, the main uh, foundation of our build so that at least it will absorb most of the shake by the time it gets to the very top, we're already at nine and 10 and we're safe. So I think all the teams kind of went that same direction. Well, not all, but most of the teams went that same direction. Yeah. Well, and I also think they just wanted to be able to be eligible. You know, that was sort of uh, quickly flashed in the build phase saying like, remember, it has to be four feet tall. And, you know, obviously that was a huge factor for um, Mel and Germain in the bridge challenge. You know, that season was was just that one, you know, rule component. And, and you can't miss that one, you know, like miss it. Cause you, you know, you didn't make it to, t- to eight or nine or 10, you know, don't miss it for that reason. So I definitely think that that came up as well. The interesting team that I marked next was Mark and Steven. I think that Mark and Steven, they, they want to win a challenge so bad. Like they're, they're really, they want to be first so bad. They're, they're, they're salty about that golden brick in the first episode. And listen, I don't blame them. They're, they're doing what they got to do. I, I, this isn't any shade. Um, but I think every episode we sort of just hear about how hungry they are, how confident they are, how they want to beat Zach and Wayne, um, all these sort of things. And they seem to have a background in building some of these structures before. And they set up to the judges, we're going to break the machine. 
And, and I'm curious, you know, I see you reacting to that, Corey. So let's get your thoughts. I, as soon as they said that, and I saw JV's face, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are doomed. I was like, you guys are doomed. Cause like, cause JV is going to remember that. And he, that was the first thing that came out of his mouth. He was like, you guys said you were going to break it. And it's here. I was like, ooh, <laughs> shade. But yeah, like, I, I get it. I get it. Um, they're brothers and they want to be the top brother team. You know, I, I keep talking about this. There's three brother teams on this season and, you know, brother teams are going to be even more competitive against other brother teams. Cause it's like, well, no, I'm the better. We're the better brother team. We're the better brother team, whatever. But you know, it's like, I, I see that hunger and I think because they're so hungry for that win, some areas in their builds, I wouldn't say suffer, but it's like they kind of cut a little bit when they need to put a little bit more into their belt. And, you know, unfortunately, that's it landed them in, in one of those three slots. And I thought that, you know, I know that they're great. I know they could build awesome. It's just that they got to kind of, all right, we got to slow it down and we just got to put out something that's going to be remarkable. So I think they'll get it together, though. Yeah. Well, and I think the interesting thing, you know, going back to Tyler's, you know, three major strategies, I think that they you know, that middle of the road, I think, you know, is sort of where everyone was leaning. But I almost feel like they were going for that fourth strategy, which is we can definitely get to 11 and have the most stunning and most beautiful build out of anyone. And I think that they really loved their concept. Certainly Atlantean, we had Vikings, they clearly like these, you know, historical type structures. And I think that that was clear that they we're trying to really have the best of both worlds. Curious to get your thoughts, Tyler. Yeah, I think they were definitely going for that, you know, the top spot in both of those categories. I feel like they leaned, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they leaned a little heavier in the artistic department than they did in the structural department. And I think that may have been, may have been why they landed in the bottom, bottom three. Yeah. And, you know, they had this lighthouse concept and Jamie was, you know, pretty quick to point out that lighthouse part, the light at the top, is going to be the part that falls off, you know, so it's sort of like, you can't let the desire to make something beautiful come at the expense of doing the right things for the challenge, um, to your point, Tyler. So yeah, I think very astute observation there. When we move on then to Susan and Jen, they, you know, there's, you know, they're certainly getting that s slow start, you know, even 25% of their building was done after, you know, 75% of the time had gone by, definitely was getting a little bit worried for them. Jamie even said he was skeptical. You know, what did you think about how Jen and Susan really struggled to just start laying down the bricks, Tyler? Yeah, I like their initial concept. It seemed like they just really got bogged down in the details of their structural concept and almost forgot to keep building up. Uh, they were so uh, locked into locking in the base of their model. Uh, that perhaps that's where time maybe got away from them. Uh, and, and perhaps time management isn't one of their strengths. I mean, we even saw that in episode one that uh, they kind of had a little bit of trouble with the time management, but uh, the judges are always there to remind you when you're uh, off the clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and to your point, like maybe the episode two build, which I thought theirs was fabulous with the giant spider, it was like the right small scale they, they, they were sort of honing in uh, in terms of after that first episode, what they could get done in that amount of time. But this was the biggest structure they were forced to build. And it was the shortest amount of time, like we heard, you know, later in the episode. And yeah, I think that this was maybe one of their areas that, you know, it just threw them for a little bit of a loop. Anything to add there, Corey? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think what they did, they pulled the Tyler and Amy. Basically, <laughs> they had they had like ground surface, not a lot build. You know, you're kind of looking over, you're kind of getting nervous, and then like two seconds later, bam, a four foot tall tower is up. You know, <laughs> but uh, Jen said something very interesting, and she said um, basically she's using the same technique that she did with her Wonder Woman. Now, if you saw her six foot tall Wonder Woman, life size model. It's, it's a beautiful model that she built um, where is is posing and everything. So I I saw that um, that was the approach that she was doing. And it it definitely paid its results because they were one of the top teams that stood up. I think they got to 11, if I'm not mistaken. So I believe so. Either 10 or 4, but it, it speaks it speaks to their to their ability to build. And I agree with Tyler, though. But when it comes to time management, you know, that and I can speak to it, time management can be a killer, especially as as the competition continues and as time gets a little bit more constrained and the, the challenges get even more difficult, you know, these things happen. But um, yeah, I, I, I was very shocked and very surprised and very proud of what they were able to accomplish because they did it. <laughs> and even Jamie mentioned, you know, he was floored and you know, it, it's, it says a lot when you're, when you're able to get Jamie to, to you know, to say that, about <laughs> the build, you know, that, that you got to take that to the bank. For sure. Well, and that Wonder Woman sculpture, if we could talk about that for another second. Um, yeah, I'd like one of those in my studio here. I think that would be just gorgeous. I've never even, uh, listen, I, I couldn't even dream to build something quite that large. The only actually similar thing that I did build was a, um, a Stormtrooper helmet that was like a little bit smaller than life size. Uh, and a Boba Fett helmet. And it's funny because now I also bought the sets that Lego made of those same exact things. And they're obviously far, far, far better than mine. Um, but then my other favorite large scale build was uh, Batman's utility belt that you could actually wear. And so I would wear it around. Uh, and I was very proud of that one as well. Tyler, have you ever attempted to make something quite of that scale? Uh, not before Lego Masters. <laughs> I've, I've built small <laughs> things that maybe uh, span a large area or are relatively flat. But man, something that's that tall and structural and needs to actually be able to hold its own weight and be structurally sound. I've, I've never done anything like that. So, I mean, that's the reason that Amy and I were so nervous in the bridge challenges, because that's just uh, uncharted territory for me. I mean, I understand how Lego works, but doing stuff like that, I, it's 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 definitely a challenge and i can see why the the um the show decided to put a challenge like this in there because you're you're stretching people's uh you know repertoire of what they can do with lego you want to see what they can do artistically but you also want to see what they can do structurally and sometimes you can do both and sometimes you can't yeah they're definitely doing more like uh finding the the extremes you know it's like extreme aesthetic a stream technical, you know, and then extreme technical with motors and the functions, you know, I think they're really trying to find a lot of these different variety in their building repertoire, like you're saying, but also push them to their building limits, uh, which I think is, listen, it makes for good TV. And I think that they know that um, the last team that we got a little bit of during the build phase that I wanted to call out was Caleb and Jacob. They were trying this really interesting technique of using rubber tires, Lego tires as a shock absorption. And just as a Lego fun fact, for those who don't know, Lego actually produces more tires than any company in the entire world. Certainly, they're a lot smaller, but I always, whenever Lego tires comes up, you got to throw that fact in. Um, at least I do at parties and uh, let's say it doesn't go that well, but I'm going to still do it. Uh, but yeah, so I think that that was a really interesting, you know, technique. And it was certainly one of the more novel ones. And it definitely caught Jamie's attention 
Uh, you know, did you think this one was going to work, Corey? No, I, I did not think this was going to work. I understood their concept of having that uh, shock absorption with the tires and everything. I thought that was, uh, I, I mean, in this, in this part of the competition, you're three episodes in. Now you, 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 try, you want to kind of, you know, get away from the pack a little bit. I mean, it's a very heavy crowd. It's 12, at the time, it's 11 teams. So you want to be able to stand out a little bit more. So you definitely want to take some risk. And I thought the risk that they took, um, though it was a valiant effort, I, I don't think it, well, obviously it didn't pay off for them because they, they were in the, the bottom three. But I mean, you, you got to take those chances. So I don't fault them for taking that chance. But um, I didn't think it was going, I didn't think it was going to last I thought it was going to crumble after like five. So <laughs> I was, I was shocked about that. Well, and I think you make an interesting point because when you take a risk like that, you're also sort of like switching up your technique. And I think that when the buildings change techniques, like when they went from wide to skinnier, it's those interfacing moments that actually can create more weakness than strength, you know, trying to sort of build to fit in a softer component with the harder components just may actually create less structural integrity even though it may create better shock absorption. Any thoughts about this tire technique, Tyler? Man, this was this was bold. This was a, a very uh, gutsy move to try something this uh, unique. I mean, maybe they, they maybe they're relying on something that I don't know about. Um, I I, I want to say in the back of my mind, there's some sort of thing where actual skyscrapers kind of have cushioning underneath or something like that. I could be completely wrong, but I want to believe that they're they're relying on something that I don't know about. Uh, so I, I, I got to applaud them for doing something this different. And it certainly worked far better than I expected it to. Uh, so yeah, yeah, kudos to them. <laughs> well, and you're right. It, it actually is a thing that that happens with real buildings is that they often have these sort of um, flexible foundations that create that sort of shock absorption that they were going for. And uh, it might just mean that you need to know not just that it exists, but maybe a little bit more about how it works in order to properly execute those things. But I, I did think it was a really fun concept. And, you know, certainly, you know, these things don't always play out the way that you want them to. But speaking of how they play out, let's go ahead and shift over to the judging phase. Um, we definitely want to talk about each of the builds in general and how they actually turned out and how they did on the on the Brichter scale. Um, so we'll talk through all those one by one. But before we do, we have to talk about the golden brick. Certainly Wayne and Zach, you know, felt very differently about this decision. Wayne didn't want to use it. Zach did. And it definitely reminded me of the, you know, the storybook challenge uh, or sorry, the movie genre challenge when um, Christian and Aaron ended up using their brick. And it reminds me a lot of, uh, I always talk about the golden brick always reminds me of the hidden immunity idol in Survivor. But, you know, it's always better to survive another day. At least you get to play. And their thought was, you know, listen, I, I can't take that risk. You know, what, what did you think about this, Corey? Did you feel like it was an obvious choice to use it? Or do you think they, you know, they, they should have gambled? Wayne's face said it all. Like his demeanor, his energy, like he was upset. And <laughs> I saw, I saw the pain in his eyes giving up that brick. Um, it, it was a gamble. It was a gamble. You, you, you don't want to, you don't want to be in the bottom. You don't want to go home knowing that you could have saved yourself with the golden brick. At the same time, you don't want to give up that that golden brick for a challenge that it just might be out of your league. And you just might say, hey, you know what? This might be the challenge we have to give it up. So I thought that um, Wayne was right in wanting to keep the brick. 
because I thought what they built, based on what they built so far in the season, even though it's a short season so far, and what they've been doing, I, I think he was confident enough that it would be able to at least get over that eight mark and he will be and they will be in the nine and the ten range. And look what happened. It was in the ten range. So it's it's like, you know, you're upset because you just gave up something that you didn't have to give up because you know, you trusted your build, but you know, they weren't proud they weren't proud of what they were able to uh to display. So you know I guess that's just what it is. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to what you said, Tyler, about the bottom. You know, the, if you end up in the bottom, all you can really base your 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 chances you know, of moving on is your aesthetics. And their aesthetics were a little simple. You know, those red, white and blue stripes. Maybe they just didn't think that they even had that as the fail safe. Curious to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I actually I think I disagree with Corey. Corey thinks uh, they should not have played the golden brick. I think this is the perfect challenge to play a golden brick. Um, I, I would have 100% played a golden brick no matter what I built on this challenge. And that's just because of the nature of the challenge in something like this and the bridge challenge at the end of the build, you can't necessarily look at everybody's build and get in the mind of the judge and say, Hmm, who is the judge going to pick to be the winner? Because the judge is this shake plate. You don't know whose is going to fall you could have something that looks incredibly strong that breaks at level one, just because maybe a piece was out of place as they moved it, who knows? Um, so I think this is the perfect place to play a golden brick. I would have done that 100%, even if I was the most confident <laughs> in my tower. Well, and the thing I think about is they did see one example of how a building would fall prior to the challenge, which was that white building that we saw. And if you remember how it was built, it had a very top heavy structure. It sort of expanded at the top, whereas all of the other ones went, you know, to be smaller. And the, with the way it broke, it was very clear it was balancing on like four legs that were hidden in that first tier because they wanted it to have a very spectacular crash for the, for the TV of it all. And I think that the interesting thing there is that that building may have failed at a low number. We never got to see when that building failed. But part of me feels like the, ex the only example they saw of how the shake plate would work to your point, Tyler, was this building that failed spectacularly. And so I think it probably would have been enough to scare me, uh, especially if I didn't think I could rely on the aesthetics maybe to save me in, in a bottom two scenario. Um, but yeah, I think that, listen, if, we're, if we are results oriented, they shouldn't have played it. They, shouldn't, they should have never played it. But you can't be results oriented in the moment. You, just, you never know how it's going to turn out. So let's go ahead and talk through all the teams, though. We'll go in the same order that the show went in terms of the judging. And the first team up was Mark and Steven. Their build was called Bottom to Top Structure, and it was all about this Atlantean lighthouse. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, if, if you didn't get any good look at it, I did take a quick look at the builds for all these things. But did anything stand out to you for the build on this one, Tyler? I, I love the aesthetics of it. And, you know, I know what type of thing that Mark and Steven like to build. And this was just very much in their style and the same like themes that they love. So it was cool to be able to see that coming out on something that doesn't necessarily uh, demand that sort of style. So it was really cool to see that. Yeah. I mean, there was there was some pretty good details. One of the things I noticed is that there was these multicolored um, yellow and blue pieces around all the windows, around the tiles at the bottom. So, you know, these kind of very subtle, small details, you know, we'd obviously go on to learn that small details in a challenge like this are hard to stand out against the large backdrop of the tan building. But anything stand out to you about the build for this one, Corey? Absolutely. The uh, the gold, uh, I think it was the gold grilled round pieces that they used to be kind of like the torches. I, I just, I was digging how they had that come out of the building. It gave it that extra flair. It gave it, 
that that you know Atlantean feel underwater, you know, just royal. It looked really um, prestigious. That's the word I'm looking for. It looked very prestigious, and I thought that was a, a great a great build. Yeah, I mean, you make a really fair point because I mean, aesthetics wise, this was probably one of the best. You know, I think. It was just, and, and really from a story standpoint, they had a very clear point of view. You know, I think a lot of the other things were a little bit more haphazard as they tried to throw some sort of concept together at the last minute. But yeah, this one was very intentional from that regard. And so I think if this was an, which building was the most aesthetic, I think this would have definitely been up there. As far as when this one broke, it finished at a level eight. It started cracking at level three, pieces falling off at four. And then that top tier of their building was sort of just floating there by the end. Uh, as it snapped there until it ultimately fell. Um, and, uh, you know, even though it didn't break the machine, as Jamie said, well done. Um, you know, anything stand out to you just about your first reaction, Tyler, to seeing one of these buildings shake? Yeah, it's really cool to just see this sort of incremental destruction happening. Uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, like with the explosion challenge, it's just this one moment and it's gone. Uh, this it, it's a prolonged destruction, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that the interesting thing, and we sort of saw it with just a couple teams at the top levels, is that it looked like they turned it up to like one and then turned it off, turned it up to two and then turned it off. The show, I think, sort of portrayed it more like they were scaling up. But there was a couple times, like at, I think it was like at 10 or at eight, that it looked like the, they turned it off. And so I think likely they turned it off in between every level, which we didn't really get to see. Um, but yeah, I think that this was pretty dynamic looking. Any thoughts just about the shaking in general, Corey? Uh, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily like seeing people's you know, <laughs> destroy, but uh, I did get a kick. I did get a kick of how, um, how just seeing where it was falling apart. And I would have loved to been there like in person and just kind of watching and seeing where the, the crack points are happening and where the, the connection points are weakening. And just kind of predicting, all right, this part looks like it's going to fall and see if it does fall in that way. Um, you know, just just watching um, the first build that fell, uh, they set the bar high because it was at eight. And I was like, oh, man, it's at eight. They're probably going to be up there for a while. And then when I saw that everybody else was just kind of blowing through eight and getting to the nines and tens and seeing them still kind of kind of shake and still remain, I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I'm really entertained by this. So yeah, I was, I was enjoying it. <laughs> well, and it's funny because we do know that they do some like play testing, some build testing for these different challenges. And it really reminds me, of course, of the bridge challenge, Tyler, where they never expected you to get to a thousand pounds. They didn't even have enough weights for you to go to a thousand pounds. And I sort of feel like, I don't know that they expected every build to make it to eight, nine or 10. Um, or if they did, maybe they just wanted the crashes to be a little bit more fantastical. But yeah, I think that that was definitely a big standout to me. And to your point, Corey, I think one of the things we can talk about is all the lessons learned about where these elements, you know, these different elements failed, these, these towers broke. And it really leads me well into the next one, which is Michelle and Natalie. Theirs was called Stacking Brick. It was a, a three-tiered wedding cake. And it was brick stacked at the bottom, and then it was a grid. And they had a funny analogy, which is, uh, like a wedding cake, they wanted to build a, their relationship on a solid foundation. Um, so I thought that the theming of this one was, was pretty good. Anything that stood out to you about this one, Corey? The colors. Like the colors were, I love how they were kind of making, they kind of made the, the pinks kind of cascade into each other. Gave it like a kind of a wave effect as it was going up. I, they are the queens when it comes to coloring. Like their color palette, the color choices, it pops. Like it was, it was my eyes were drawn to it immediately. So just watching it kind of fall 
and hoping that most of it will stay intact, which it did. I, I, I was really enjoying uh, what they put together. It looked beautiful. Yeah. I mean, they had those like uh, ombre of pink colors at the bottom tier. But I think it does go um, to show a theme. This is really the start of a theme I think we'll see with the rest of them, which is that the first tier of everyone's build has the most detail. And then the detail sort of goes out the window with the later tiers. But I did appreciate that that second block for them had a lot of texturing on the outside. And then the subsequent blocks had like a ribbon around it with some gold detail. So they never forgot detail at any tier. But uh, to your point, like the most detail, I think, for every build ends up at the bottom. Anything that stood out to you about this one, Tyler? Yeah, I really liked the, like you mentioned, the bow and the, they had some gold detailing around, I guess, the second tier of their cake. And uh, man, the, just the gold details were really elegant and it kind of gave this nice focal point. Uh, a lot of the builds didn't necessarily have much of a focal point and uh, just draw drew my eye to that that middle of the building, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, you make a fair point because a lot of the feedback I feel like that came in your season was about creating icons, creating places for your eyes to land. And to your point, a lot of the buildings were sort of one note, you know, it was like a big tan building, for instance, for Mark and Steven, those little details were great if you could look up close like the camera could, but it wasn't enough to draw your eye in to really sell that concept through. So yeah, I mean, I think they did a great job to your point, Corey, with the color and Tyler with those extra little details. Um, The interesting thing here is at at number six, that second tier just popped off. It sort of uh, just sat there floating. And I loved seeing all the little um, bricks at the bottom of any part that broke off, just sort of breaking off one by one as the top tier danced over And they actually finished at a level nine when the entire top of it just fell over. Uh, But yeah, this is a pretty spectacular one, especially for these early ones. It it really helps to set the tone for the fun destruction here. Anything that stood out to you there, Corey? Like I said, um, just the the bar was set. And, you know, once the bar is set, then you can only go up from here. Um, You would hope everybody goes up from here. And just seeing how uh, just different connection points, like I mentioned before, a lot of them, uh, most of them ha- kind of had the same uh, same failure as far as when it broke. It broke off like in the middle. Uh, the teams that that really stood the test of time are the ones that was like they fell off as one solid piece and they lasted the longest. So it, it's interesting the techniques. It, it all goes back to the techniques as well of how they built the inside of their of their structure in order to really uh, kind of control when it would fall in a sense. So um, you know, I thought it was good. Yeah. When, and falling off in one piece definitely brings us to our next team, which is Maria and Philip. Theirs was this, uh, their, their kind of key building technique, to your point, was using these large technic ball joints. Uh, if you're a true Lego fan, you'll, of course, recognize them from Bionicle uh, and other similar themes. But they use these large ball joints to create a vine structure that wrapped around this one. I thought this was probably one of the more interesting builds. And with all the vines and flowers, definitely reminded me of your beautiful bridge, Tyler. What did you think about Maria and Philip? Yeah, I, I liked the aesthetic of it and definitely a unique approach with trying to almost tie it all together with these vines. Yeah. And from an aesthetic standpoint, there was all these different tiers of blue colors, different shades of blue, and they added a lot of borders. So like at every tier, at every corner, around every window were these white kind of borders, which I thought from an aesthetic standpoint, this was probably one of the ones that stood out to me the most. Um, Certainly a kind of symbol design, but I think that's maybe the right level of detail for a challenge like this is just kind of pick one simple concept, do it right, do it well. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one, Corey. Basically, I was I was kind of waiting and itching to get to this build because I thought the ball joint was a very um, tricky 
and risky building technique, very similar to Jacob and, and Caleb, um, because it, you're using ball joints to kind of to kind of sway the building in a sense based on the functionalities of of the ball joints. I I was very I was very impressed to see what they were able to come up with, and just the story alone. I love the 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 leaves and how. They want to just shake the leaves off. And I love fall. And I love when the leaves fall off the trees and all that stuff. So I, I love the concept that they were going for. And I, and I thought that they really found a way to use those ball joints well in their structure. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because when the builds stay together in one piece like this one, uh, at level seven, this one just like popped off the whole base. There must have been some sort of interior structure that held it down. But I felt like the whole thing just started dancing as the bricks broke off the bottom. But it lasted until level 10 when the whole thing tipped over. So um, maybe just kind of bundling in, you know, kind of trying to weather the storm uh, was, the, you know, batting down the hatches, I think maybe was the right move for them. So, yeah, definitely impressive indeed with this one. But when it comes to impressive structures, we have to move on to the next team, which is, of course, Moto and Paris. We were definitely very worried going into this one. Uh, this was a little bit more slapped together from a design aesthetic standpoint. Um, but we talked about it quite a bit in terms of how this structure really held up. You know, I'm curious to get your thoughts about how things turned out in the end for Moto and Paris, Tyler. Yeah, as they were wheeling this into the the gallery, I was I was just like, oh no, oh no, because I'm looking at these shaky panels on the outside, and I, I I'm pretty confident that they're just there to hide the internals, but there, there's just the, the the artist in me is going, oh no, I'm cringing a little bit because <laughs> I know this is this is not what the brickmasters are gonna like, uh, but. Oh, man, when this got on the shake plate and those panels started coming off, I, I almost I like I, I wish they had played to that. I would have loved if they had had the confidence to build their internal structure and build a facade on the outside that was intended to break away just to showcase how strong their internal structure was. I think that would have been really cool because that's almost what happened. Yeah. And, and it's almost like let's lean into this, lean into it, like from a story standpoint. We, we have a feeling we're not going to finish, you know, so maybe it's a it's a ghost building and you see the skeleton inside or, you know, maybe there's some sort of story element that could have sold it a little bit harder and given them the credit for that amazing structure. To your point, Tyler, uh, it was it definitely hurt, you know, as they tried to create this bee that you know, there's some honeycomb texturing and there was just some of that same colors, the brown, the yellow, the black that they tried to use. But at the end of the day, and don't think I didn't notice those were a bunch of tan base plates, um, which you can buy at the store, just like, a you know, they cost like $10 for a base plate, 32 by 32, that were just kind of slapped onto the side. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was a very interesting one. What did you think about this one, Corey? Yeah, I'm right there with you, Tyler. Um, as they were wheeling it in, like, I was just like, I think it was like one side had the honeycomb design. And then when you saw the camera panning on the on the back end, I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, are those just like plain baseball? I was like, that means they didn't finish. I was like, oh my gosh! I like at this point, theirs have to just stand up and just be there for the for the whole time without falling. Because I knew those things were gonna fall over like like sheetrock. Like I I knew it. So, but you know, when they when it was on the scale and it was shaking and all those panels just flew off, I'm I'm. I'm going to echo the same exact thing Tyler said. If they played to that and just said like that was their facade, like they're just shaking off the the old self and this is the actual build, you know, I, I mean, it worked out for them at the end, but I mean, that won't play off in, in future episodes, I, I feel. 
Well, and I think you are sort of at the subject of you know, how nice the judges want to be about stuff like this. You know, I, I they did say if a significant portion of your building falls, you're done. And part of me feels like a, a certain set of judges could say, well, all the outside is a significant part. And I think that they got very lucky at the benevolence, but also because I think they were the first team to get to 11, which was just pretty spectacular. So um, maybe it was some combination of the two. But yeah, the base plates started falling off almost immediately at a level two. At four, we could see the, almost the whole skeleton, but it did held, hold itself all the way until level 11. So I think that may, they may have just gotten lucky at the spectacle of their build or just the grace of the judges get, cutting them some slack on this one. But uh, the structure was something to behold, for sure. This is what I saw on the on the side view, like just being wheeled in. I'm like, what's going on? I, I don't know. <laughs> For those who can't see, because, you know, obviously this is an audio podcast, he's literally holding up the same tan base plate uh, <laughs> that they used. And so, oh, God, I feel like, uh, you know, when you see a tan base plate in a store, I, I don't know that I'll ever think of anything else. And I know I've got like five of them in my collection. So I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, dedicate them to Moto and Paris in my collection. Um, but speaking of aesthetic buildings, let's move on then to Lauren and Brian. Theirs was the bricklayer build. It was all birthday cake themed. And I feel like this one from an aesthetic standpoint really came together for me. What did you think about this one, Tyler? Yeah, these these guys definitely know how to do aesthetics. And this this looked excellent. Um, we saw two birthday cakes, both with or two cakes, each with their own uh, flair. And this just had a kind of a cartoony feel to it, which uh, that's something that I, I tend to lean towards as well. So I, I, I kind of like this one a lot. Yeah, they really, you know, like we talked about when you were on earlier, Tyler, they lean into the fantasy when I talked to them preseason, they said that they were Disney kids, which I can certainly relate to. Um, but they added a story where this was the cake for Georgina the Giant. So again, they have to sort of lean into this fantasy angle. But I think that the build itself, you know, to your point about the colors in Michelle and Natalie's cake, they even took those colors probably to another level where each of the tiers were a bright color all in its own. But I especially love that the layer of frosting in white had a scalloped edge using those rounded plates and even colored sprinkles. Uh, so this one was just a really fun delight to look at. Curious to get your thoughts, Corey. Yeah, definitely. Same thing. I'm going to echo the same thing as Tyler. Um, they're very cartoony, very Disney fantasy. I mean, you could go back to the, the second episode with the frog. That frog, oh my gosh, amazing. Amazing usage of color. Everything popped. Everything is just definitely going to capture your eye. And the cake was just spectacular how they built it i mean it had a great story even the breaking portion of it you know it it, it looked good falling apart you know and that's <laughs> that's what you want so um yeah i i enjoyed it well done for those two guys yeah and they even i just am looking back at my notes they had candles i don't know if you noticed it but sort of towards the top middle of the cake they even had candles on the cake so yes a lot of fun details there it started shaking a lot only at a level eight and it was really just a solid piece, you know, kind of similar to Maria and Philip when it started just breaking off at the bottom and then the whole thing fell over at a level 10. Um, but yeah, this one was super fun and I really enjoyed it. Let's move on then to Sarita and Randall. This was the Brick and Technic building and they called it Crown Records. They love to find some way to sneak in that hip hop, uh, you know, theme into everything they do. And I know we sort of called it into question in episode one. Could they do it? And listen, they do not disappoint. And they actually tied the shaking into their story, which I thought was very unique, where 
you know, this is the building where artist dreams can come true, but is there a single hot enough to shake the building? You know, I, I think I've definitely had some neighbors that, you know, were trying to test that out too when they were having some parties, but curious to get your thoughts on this build, Corey. So I, I've spoken, I've spoken to uh, Randall uh, several times and, you know, one thing uh, that I've learned being on the show is all about branding. So the teams, everybody is a team, but you always want to be that brand of your team. So you always want to make sure that you, you, again, you want to step out from the pack. And I think what they're doing um, is connecting that hip hop and always making something that they're building related back to hip hop. I I have an appreciation for hip hop. You know, uh, I I love that. It's part of the culture that I grew up around. Um, So seeing them kind of connecting it and everything that they're doing, that continuity, you know, I, I love it. And just the, just the theme of their, of their build, the music has to shake the building. So, you know, the bigger their hit, the more it shakes. You know, I, I love the story that, they, that they're creating and even their build, uh, you know, the color choices, you know, again, they just pop. You know, it was it was a simple story, simple type of uh, idea. And, you know, it definitely worked out for them. So, yeah, great job. Yeah, the build itself was definitely colorful. It was uh, it was yellow, white, red, green, all in these sort of tiers with a crown at the top and ending in sort of a pyramid structure. To me, it sort of reminded me of those um, those like rocket popsicles, you know, the, the red, white and blue rocket popsicle. Um, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one, Tyler. Yeah, I love how colorful all of their builds actually have been like they just really infuse a lot of that color and just life and like vibrancy like I, I almost feel like this was vibrating even before it got on the shake plate just because of the the color and the energy that's uh, kind of infused into it yeah for sure i mean it was definitely evident and there were some little details too um there was like two doors at the bottom some gold details on the corners of the green tier so they definitely tried to sco- to scooch in a little bit of that but also this is one of those builds that stayed a uniform, you know, thickness, let's say, with the entire time. And I think that that's why it lasted, you know, until level eight or nine before the it saw this big crack right through the right side of the lowest tier. Um, but it, it stayed in that one large piece until it eventually fell over at 10. But it just goes to show, you know, what Jamie talked about later in the episode, which is when there's those transitions, that's where there's the weak points. And they didn't have that. They really manage to maybe 500 bricks an hour it and get that consistent width that I think actually served them quite well. I think this is exactly where you want to be that like perfect middle of the pack, um, you know, upper middle of the pack in terms of survive, but do a really awesome, solid job. So I loved this one and I really love them just as a team as well. So that's always a lot of fun too. But moving on, we've got Zach and Wayne. They were using a system called a butterfly bracket. I feel like that was one of those education pieces I could have learned a little more about. I didn't get (laughs) maybe what that means, but they were safe, but we got to see their build anyway. Curious, you know, to to get your thoughts, Tyler, in terms of what stood out to you for Zach and Wayne. Yeah, like whatever they were doing was very ingenious, I feel, like beyond what I can comprehend. Like I'm, I'm looking at the build on the episode and I'm trying to figure out what on earth a butterfly back it is. I don't see any butterflies. <laughs> How are butterflies going to help hold this together? I, I was I was confused. I uh, I would have loved, like you said, uh, to have some sort of explanation as to what exactly a butterfly bracket is. So uh, I'm probably going to probably going to message them and see if they can give me a lesson on butterfly brackets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from what I could sort of see as they were building, it seemed like there was like a grid structure where there were sort of like two interlocking grids, if that makes any sense, where there was like a level of a grid shifted over a couple studs, a level of a grid shifted over another couple studs. But it was so hard to see from that. 
But I think that from an aesthetic standpoint, like I mentioned earlier, it was pretty simple. Red, white, and blue, some thin stripes. And when you do something so uniform like that with those thin stripes, you also start to notice when they didn't get those stripes right. So there was a couple times where the thickness of the stripes changed and there was this sort of middle transition tier that was mostly blue, but had a couple sprinkles of red and white. And was that intentional or was that an accident? So I sort of felt like uh, they couldn't rest on their aesthetics for this one. They had to sort of show for themselves what they could do. What did you think about this build, uh, Corey? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I didn't quite understand uh, the butterfly bracket. I, I understood the concept. I just never, I've never seen it or heard of it, but I understood what it was, what it was supposed to do to where it's like, I, I guess the wings of the butterfly is what's expanding out to kind of get some of that pressure. And it's just kind of waving like this. So that way, when the frequency goes up, it kind of has that wavy type of uh, aesthetic, I'm thinking. Um, I'm guessing here, but um, I mean, it was it was different. I would have loved to hear a little bit of a, a background of why they chose that. I think they could have spent like maybe one or two minutes just like talking about it just so that we can get a little bit more background on it. But, um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it more, I, I can see why they gave up that golden brick or why Zach decided to do it. Um, you know, I'm still with I'm still with holding it on, but I understood why. Well, and, and there's always a risk reward thing. So y- you never know exactly how you want to handle these things. And their build was able to reach a number 10. It broke right down the middle at level eight and then fell over at level 10. But let's then move on to the eighth team, which was Dave and Richard. We saw very little of this in the build phase, but it was just kind of solid and steady. I never felt like they were breaking a sweat. Theirs was the tube beam exoskeleton build that involved Fibonacci's sequence. And I'm curious, Corey, uh, how many digits of Fibonacci's sequence can you you know, name consecutively like digits of pie. Uh, wow. I would have Just to kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm putting you on the spot. It was right a joke. Um, but what did you think about this one um, and how this one came together? I, I have a great appreciation uh, for, for what they were able to display. Um, teaching is, is my passion. I, I'm, I'm a teacher. Um, so I love to uh, challenge my students with all different types of stuff dealing with Lego. And uh, just seeing the lesson that's being taught and uh, for Dave to kind of just have a minute to talk about this, this particular theory. And, you know, now kids are at home and they're probably looking it up. They're probably doing the math right now. So you're, you're now opening a new wave of, of kids and other people to, to kind of go and do their own self-learning using this particular, um, I forget the name of what he mentioned, uh, but that's what, that's what you kind of want. You know, you still want to make something that's aesthetic. You still want to make something beautiful. You still want to make something that fits in the, the whole entire scheme of the, the episode. But you also want to give something to the audience that they can take home. And instead of just saying, oh, okay, their, their building felt pretty. Oh, I want to look up this information. I want to know a little bit more about this. And I guess that's the teacher in me that's still teaching. So I, I had a great appreciation for this bill. Yeah, I mean, school's out for summer, Corey, okay? Calm down on the teaching stuff, you know? <laughs> Listen, there's summer camps, man. Summer camps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Summer school when you're a bad student or... No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, but I think you make an interesting point because it's been very clear throughout even just these few episodes that Dave and Richard build with a purpose. Um, you know, they always have some sort of message, some sort of, you know, last episode especially, it was about you know, green and environmentalism. This week, it's about math and about teaching. You know, it seems like they want to be intentional with the messages behind their builds. And it's something that came out actually in my preseason interview with them, which I really appreciate. And even just trying to be two dads setting a good example at bare minimum, I think is a wonderful thing. 
And, you know, as our newest dad on the podcast, I'm not a dad, but, um, you know, as our dad on the podcast, Tyler, what did you think about Dave and Richard's build? I'm not the newest dad on the, on the podcast. You got the other newest dad on here. Oh, gosh, I, I, I'm behind. I, I'm only, I only know what happens on TV, Corey. If it didn't happen on TV, then I don't even know. You're right. <laughs> well, as our as our other dad, Tyler, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, th this build uh, for me, the, the thing that stood out the most was just how polished it was. I feel like the time limit maybe didn't affect them as much as it affected other people. Uh, they certainly had a, a simplistic looking build, but it didn't look uncomplex. Uh, you know, they certainly thought about what they were doing. And uh, the, the primary colors were fun just because it kind of plays into that whole educational uh you know, kid-friendly vibe that they were going for. So I thought they did really well. If anybody was sitting around waiting for the timer to end, I feel like it might have been them. <laughs> yeah, I, how often do you finish early for these sort of things? But yeah, I think you make an interesting point in terms of it's one of those concepts that they, they thought about a simple enough concept, did it really well, it looked great, um, but they actually added in some details. You know, those numbers, you know, were, were a little bit multicolored. They had um, those beams that they built on the outside of their structure, which was interesting. They were striped. You know, they had a little striping pattern that went all the way up the side. So they they took the right sort of risks without taking nearly as many as some of the other teams. Um, you know, a lot of them, I think, thought these have to look like a building that I've seen. They have to have windows. They have to have doors. They were like, eh, let's make it a tower, you know, a colorful tower. And I, I think that was enough for this challenge for sure. Um, again, this one made it to 11, which was really impressive. And the thing that Jamie noted was that it was completely empty in the middle, which impressed him the most. And it was really probably just that strong interlocking you were mentioning, Corey, that brought them to create that, you know, really solid structure that ultimately made the bottom the failing point versus any point in the middle. Just, I just want to share something. One of my students reached out to me after watching this episode and they were like, Lego Master Corey, I know now what you're saying with the overlapping. Like, that's the strongest technique. I was like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you this whole time. Because I, I do uh -huh. these little challenges with my students and they just want to stack. They just want to stack bricks on top of each other. So when they saw that interlocking and overlapping and they're just like, whoa, that's what it can do. I'm like, yeah, that's what, it can do. <laughs> that's what I've been telling you. So uh -huh. uh, great appreciation. Well, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, listen, this is what you want to see, like you were saying. And if they're taking something away, this edutainment that we're getting here, you know, is probably working. Um, but that's so sweet. I love to hear that. Let's move on then to our twins, Caleb and Jacob. Theirs was the flexible base like we talked about. And they use those rubber tires um, to do it. And I thought that from an aesthetic standpoint, this one actually was one of the more interesting looking ones. They sort of leaned into the building half built, half unbuilt by building a large yellow crane up the side of it. Corey, what did you think about Caleb and Jacob's build? I, I love that yellow crane because it just it stood out. It looked like, okay, what, what is the story going on with this? And the entire build, it looked like a, like a giant firehouse to me. Like it looked like a brick build with the windows and the lining. And then they had the little minifigures like doing some of the work as well. Like I have an appreciation for that too. Um, again, the, the tires, that was a risky move, but, um, you know, aesthetically looking at it, it, it had such a fun story and I was, I was enjoying the story. Yeah. I mean, this one definitely stood out. A lot of the teams didn't even use minifigures. Um, and I know that there was some teams last season that got praised for those little details where when you didn't have to use minifigures, that the minifigures helped really sell the story. I think about, 
um, Flynn and Richards build in the cut in half challenge, which was also episode three year season. And they had like one build, uh, one minifigure handing the last gear to finish the clock and how the minifigures really can help sell the story. I feel like it's one of those unsung heroes of some of these builds at times. What did you think about how this one came together, Tyler? Yeah, it was definitely unique looking. Uh, like Corey said, I love the crane and sort of the unfinished uh, aspect that they were going for. Uh, I feel like they could have leaned a little further into the aesthetics. Uh, I think there was a lot of like exposed technique and things like that. And um, I, I like that Corey pointed out that it seemed like a fire station to him. That, that wasn't, at least to me, readily apparent. Uh, there was kind of like this obelisk looking thing on top. I'm not sure what that was. Again, I think storytelling uh, might have been their their weakest point, at least with the overall structure of the building. And then they used the minifigures to try and tell uh, a further story towards the end. But yeah. uh, I, I would have I would have loved to see them lean more into the aesthetics, but I know they were probably a little short on time as they were leaning into doing a, a fairly risky tire base for their for their tower. <laughs> no, I think you make a really good point. I definitely noted that kind of obelisk rounded shape that they had at the top. And it was funny because there's almost like the gray and red, you know, rectangled structure going around it. So it was almost as if the government was sort of trying to hide this obelisk within. So they were trying to build a building around it. You know, that's how I would have told the story. But it's also possible that their story may have gotten cut, uh, which is always the hard part about watching the TV show. But interestingly, the crane itself, if we count that as a, as a building, it did make it to level six, just the crane, um, which I thought was a pretty fun thing. And then at eight, we see it break in the middle right at that transition point, And then it falls over at level eight. So moving on then to Zach and Tim, like we talked about, I, you know, the show was sort of setting us up for them struggling at times and the like. So I was definitely curious to see how this one came together. There was a fun, playful father son moment where Zach had to remind him it was called the brick, the Brichter scale uh, that they were messing with. But I think that it's some of those fun, playful dynamics that I got to see when I interviewed them preseason that I'm I, I wish we could have even seen more of. They had such a funny, goofy, playful banter that, you know, when you're trying to squeeze 12 or 11 teams into an episode, you sort of miss. But I'm curious to get your thoughts, Corey, on just what you thought of Zach and Tim's final build, the interlocking T structure. Yeah, I, I, I like what they were going for. Um, you know, the, unfortunately, the, the structure is a big, giant, tan building. Um, I mean, the roof, was, I believe the roof was white, so it gave it a little bit of color. You, you had some areas that were white, but, um, you know, it, it did look plain. So you definitely had to go for the structural uh, integrity of it. Uh, so if it made it further past the 10 uh, over to the 11, it would have saved them, but because it, it didn't. And then when you look at this, just the instructional, just looking at it, you know, it wasn't really appealing, didn't really pop. Uh, so I, I understood as to why, you know, they, they were where they were. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, it's one of those things where the judges, I think, want to see you carry a concept all the way through. And I think that they started building a building to your point. They just got started, Tyler. And then they just slapped some cats on it. But I kind of like slapping the cats all over it. I don't know. That's a hot take. Uh, what was your thoughts, Tyler? Yeah, it, like Corey said, it was just a tan building. I thought the cats were hilarious. I, I love this father-son team. Like They're they're hilarious. Um, they, you can tell they have a really fun relationship together. And uh, I, I think that fun aspect of the relationship carries over to the their building, whether or not it looks great in the end or not. I, I think they really just had fun building this, even, even with the, you know, the stress and the time constraint and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, 
this this is a build that looks like they just had fun. Yeah, I mean, I hope they did. I mean, certainly the stress of the competition can get the best of you sometimes. And we definitely saw some of those moments, but hopefully some of the, the joking along the way. Listen, that's how I cope with things is to joke along the way. So I hope that they employ that to great effect as well. Uh, so let's move on then to Susan and Jen. This was the Brick and Technic one. And they had that Technic rod all the way up the middle of this one. What did you think about the way this one came together, Tyler? Yeah, I was surprised. And I, I know that's how the show was setting us up. Uh, I would have loved to see like in real time how fast this came together. But uh, man, seeing this thing, I was I was not expecting, like even like Jamie said, he was really just floored by how well this did. I was not expecting it to do so well. Uh, so hats off to them for building a really incredible uh, thing. And I think this just goes to, you know, like... Uh, I think Susan said she um, had used this before, this technique before. So I think that's really smart of them to have leaned into that and use that same technique. And it obviously paid off. They survived to level 11 on that thing. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's also a good you know reminder, like never give up. Like it's not over till it's over. And, you know, and maybe to your point about the planning, that good planning really was what saved them in the end where you know, even if they have to slap the building together, the core, literally, of this building was was really strong. I'm curi curious to get your thoughts, Corey. Yeah, I noticed that as soon as they started, as soon as it started to shake, the top of the building came apart at its connection point, at the weak point. But because that rod was so strong in the center, it kind of just hung on it and it kind of just swayed with it. And I, I thought that was a smart, a smart decision to really build that that Technic rod in the center, because that was essentially that was the same technique on a on a i guess a smaller scale for what moto and power and paris did because their skeleton stood while the rest of the building fell apart but with uh susan and, and jen their building stood and it just hung on that rod until it just you know kind of just stopped so uh you know smart decision making for them yeah i mean it was one of those things that they must have had it like firmly secured at the bottom and then firmly secured at the top so really at level two, the top half started shaking, certainly like swaying around as it broke in half, like you were saying, um, you know, you know, kind of at a seven, eight, nine at 10, I think is when it fully broke off. But then that between that 10 and 11, the middle of the building just rubbed against each other. Bricks are flying everywhere. But that top was held onto the rod and that rod was held onto the bottom and it was enough to keep it together. Um, you know, we I, I, I almost couldn't believe it. I was definitely as genuinely floored as Jamie was that they made it to a level 11, but it's just that one good idea. That's just enough to get by. It, it, it could have failed spectacularly, but they had it built just strong enough or just flexible enough, you know, to our earlier conversation about the flexibility of Technic that, wow, this thing really worked. So definitely pretty amazing there. So when it comes to the competition, obviously there's always a top two and a bottom two, but just because of the way that this challenge works, there was a top three and a bottom three. The top three all made it to level 11. Like we just talked about, that was Susan and Jen, Dave and Richard, and Moto and Paris. And, you know, while there was a lot of competition here, Dave and Richard were the ones to come to the top. Corey, you sort of alluded to this earlier, but it sounds like you think this was the right decision. Yes, I do. Um, I, I thought that their idea made sense. Their build was colorful. It popped. It was one of those builds that if you look in the gallery, immediately your eye is, is drawn to it. You see the numbers on the side. So you, you're trying to figure out, wait a minute, it, it says one, one, three, five, like that doesn't make sense. And then you're thinking about it and then it makes you want to go home and just kind of, 
or even when the show is over, go on Google and start start doing some homework. You know, it, it's it's a cool it's a cool design. It, it allows you to bring something home with you, and uh, you know they just did a great job with it. And you know they're cooking with they're cooking with uh what what what's the saying? Cooking with fire. Cooking with gas. Cooking with gas. That's what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, for sure. I mean, certainly they were up there last episode. I mean, their their parade float was really stunning. They're definitely contenders in all of this. What do you think about how, you know, the results all came together here, Tyler? Yeah, I think it was definitely the right choice. Theirs was the most aesthetically pleasing and it also held together the best. Uh, I I think back to when it ultimately did fall off, the whole tower just snapped off at the bottom and it was still intact on the floor. Like even it smashing on the floor didn't destroy it. (laughs) So uh, yeah, this was definitely the right call. That's why I loved it the best. (laughs) (laughs) perfect well i think this is like that goldilocks scenario where they picked a simple enough build and they really nailed the aesthetic but the you know obviously it was all able to make it to a level 11 and you know we can't say that about moto and paris's build you know their aesthetic fell apart literally and susan and jen you know they their concept wasn't nearly as strong they had some haunted eyes at the top so this really does feel like the goldilocks scenario you know where everything's just right and then for the bottom two in this case three all of those builds made it to level eight. There was Tim and Zach, Mark and Steven, and Caleb and Jacob. Uh, you know, and there was some feedback for all of the teams here. For Tim and Zach, they love the cat story, but it was missing some of the details and especially color. And when Amy's a judge, if I learned this last season, you better put some color in that build. And then Mark and Steven, you know, using tan made us miss some of those lovely details. And then for Caleb and Jacob, there was definitely a lot of enthusiasm from Jacob on that technical piece, but it failed in a standard part of the build, not even that more technical build. So, you know, in your thoughts, Tyler, you know, obviously, certainly from a leveling standpoint, this was the correct bottom three. But, you know, what stood out to you in terms of you know, what makes someone more or less successful at this part of the judging phase? Yeah, they're they're really relying on the aesthetics and how well you're able to present your story in uh, the build that you've built. Uh, those are two of the things that they're going to be really looking for. And uh, I think definitely Mark and Steven had the clearest story and the best aesthetics, even if it was a little plain because of the tan. Um, I think they, they certainly saved themselves with leaning heavily into the aesthetics. Uh, the other two, I don't think thought about aesthetics as much as they should have. And uh, I, I bet, I bet if if I was one of the judges, Mark and Steven are safe, and then the other two are going to be very hard to decide between. Yeah. And certainly it all comes down to aesthetics at this point. And, you know, part of me wonders even if that crane element for Caleb and Jacob was enough to make their story more definitive. Um, certainly we didn't get to hear it in the presentation, but it looked like at least a building that was being put together. Whereas, you know, Tim and Zach, while I loved it, looked like a building covered in cats. What did you think about the bottom three here in this case, Corey? Yeah, I'm, I'm echoing the same thing. Um, Mark and Steven, I, I thought that their build out of the three was the best as far as appealing, as far as aesthetics. Uh, just love the story, love the uh, the mythology behind it, uh, which is really good. Um, you know, the aesthetics are very important. And when I'm looking at something, just, you know, first time fresh eyes, you know, I'm looking at that tan building. and from afar, I'm not going to notice that they are cats, you know, until I get closer. And then I see that, okay, that those are cats, you know, even if they decided to like make a giant cat or something or a giant paw coming out of the building or something to that effect, um, you know, you're, you're, you're 
bringing more of that story out, you know, instead of just kind of like, all right, let's just make it overrun with cats. Cause you really can't tell that they're cats from afar. Um, with, with uh, Jacob and Caleb, when you look at their build, it's aesthetically, you know, it's, it is what it is, but you know, you see something and there's a story being told that you do want to know more about the story. You kind of want to say, Hey, we're giving you like two more hours. Let's, let's finish tell the story. <laughs> While the other book is just like, all right, yeah, yeah, we're kind of done with what we're looking at here. So it, it, I understood why the team that went home went home. Yes. And just to you know put a pin in that one, it was Tim and Zach that went home, our father-son team. And, you know, you know, Jamie said you should be really proud of how you've grown, but it comes down to those fine details like you were mentioning. Maybe the cats, you know, weren't enough um, to really be able to pick between the two of the teams. But you know, you know, similarly, it was episode three for you, Corey, and you know, my heart broke then. But it sounds like, you know, you may have a similar experience to Tim and Zach, where getting to spend the time together is really kind of irreplaceable. Love to get your thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, our episode uh, three, when we went home, um, you know, we, we were kind of in the same position when it came to time. Uh, you know, time was running against us. And we were saying, all right, well, let's just have the minifigures tell the, the rest of the story. So we try to make the minifigures kind of building this, you know, uh, uh, horsepower, pinata power car. And, you know, we were trying to kind of save our model like that. Uh, so I, I understood uh, some of the, the, uh, the hap, I wouldn't say haphazard, more like uh, the, the want and need to like kind of throw more things into the build just so that, you know, it can kind of save it because time was just against us. So I understood, I felt the pain. Um, and, you know, just being able to spend the time with my brother in building was amazing. And just being able to see these brothers kind of spending the same time and they, and they, they kind of understand and I'm looking at them and I'm watching them build and I'm seeing the, the brotherly bickering that you may not catch on TV, but I'm seeing it. And I'm just like, yeah. I was right there with you guys. So I understand exactly what you're going through. But um, yeah, bittersweet. But, you know, all in all, I'm, I'm enjoying these episodes. Yeah, I mean, it's going to get harder and harder each week to say goodbye to people. But any any parting thoughts, Tyler, for Tim and Zach? Yeah, like I said before, th- these guys just they're funny. They're fun. They, they look like they just have a great time hanging out together. And that's not the way all father son relationships are. And uh, it's just really sweet to see this level of friendship and camaraderie between a father and son. Uh, it's really, really touching. So yeah, it was sad to see him go. We have something to aspire to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. You know, in Lego master season 40, you know, or, or 22 or you know, <laughs> however, however long it takes for you both to come back with your son, you know, your, your siblings or, or your uh, kids, not siblings, your kids. I, I listen, I, I'd, I'd, I'd watch. And I'd probably podcast about it, too. Um, but good stuff. Well, as we look as we look forward to the next episode of this season instead of season, you know, 12 or, or 84, uh, we have a fun challenge coming that we saw in the preview. We've heard a little bit about this in the preseason. It was a lot in the trailers. And this is the fashion challenge. I believe, Corey, you were the one who was sort of advocating for this in our exit interview last season. So I have to get your thoughts first. <laughs> So, all right, uh, I'll, I'll say it like this. This was a challenge that my eyes lit up when I heard about it. Uh, and I was, I was like, yes, let's do this challenge. And then nothing happened. So to see the challenge actually being done, I'm putting, I'm putting aside my, my angst and my, and my 
frustration and watching what they're able to do with these wearable builds. Like I, I literally make Lego as a fashion statement, <laughs> you know, like I use Lego as a fashion statement. That's my whole thing. So to see it, I, I'm, I'm going to be sitting right there and enjoying every moment of this to see what they were able to do with this particular challenge. I'm a little upset, but I'm curious to see what they do. Well, don't be too upset. I, I'm just going to assume that they listened to our podcast and then they did it. You know, like I, I'm, I'm counting this as a huge win for the podcast, yes. a huge win for you, obviously, as the pioneer here. And, uh, you know, so I'm counting this as a huge win. You know, Tyler, you know, you know, you know, seeing this, it's obviously really crazy. It's kind of kooky. You know, where does your mind go in terms of what you would do if you had to build a hat with Amy on your season? Oh, goodness. I have no idea. Oh, that's uh, I'll have to come back and, and give you my thoughts on that. I'm I'm really excited about this episode, partly because I have no idea what I would even do. You know, so I'm I'm really excited to see what they come up with. We've already seen just some teasers of some really wild stuff, and and potential drama. I think Amy says like, "Oh, we promised drama, and you gave it to us," or something <laughs> along those lines. And I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what it is. Yes. I, I think something's going to break because I think uh, something's broken almost every episode now. Uh, this is. This is turning out to be the most destructive uh, season yet. It's fun. It's awesome. So I'm really excited about fashion, which yes. I never thought I'd actually say. Well, and I'm curious, even like, <laughs> is there going to be some sort of understructure that they're all given? You know, similar to the parade challenge, they were all given that base parade float. And in the last episode, they were all given that pizza slice base plate to build off of. I'm very curious if there's going to be some sort of helmet or some other sort of similar structure or if they're just going to have to build it kind of from nothing. Cause part of me is just thinking about all the jagged corners of Lego stabbing you in the scalp as you have to wear this likely heavy <laughs> and strong, you know, fashion build. But listen, uh, pain and fashion, I think go together very well in terms of, uh, the things that we need to do to look great. Um, but I think, uh, after this challenge, I have to imagine there's going to be a lot of people on the red carpet, um, you know, wanting some of these Lego fashion looks, you know, I, I know, that celebrity uh, drummer Questlove always wears like a heart uh, built out of Lego as a pin. So we've already seen some of it, but I think maybe this is going to be the next frontier, but I'm super excited to see what comes next. Any of these teams, Corey, that you're rooting for, we talk about that kind of at the end of each episode, but coming out of this one, you know, who are you rooting for? Or who are you excited to see more from? I, I have to, I have to rock with the, with all the brothers, the brother teams. Um, I, I, I feel a, a bit, uh, me and my brother, we, we kind of jokingly say that we feel um, responsible for opening the floodgates to all of the <laughs> sibling teams that are now on Lego Master. Me and Travis were the, we were the only sibling team on the show, so we were we were just really excited seeing all these brothers coming in now. So I'm rooting for them. But Dave and Richard, like I said, they were cook they've been cooking with gas, and it it just looks like they're hitting their stride, and you know it just. For me, from our season, I've been seeing Tyler and Amy hitting their stride and then Boone and Mark hitting their stride. It's like when you see them trading wins like that, it's like, okay, you kind of see where where the competition is going. So I, I, I'm staying with my brothers for now, but I'm leaning a little bit over to, to Dave and Rich. <laughs> well, we haven't seen the same team win twice, and we definitely saw the same team win, you know, quite often on your season. Tyler, who's who are you rooting for? Who's standing out to you? Uh, I got to go with my friends, uh, Mark and Steven. Uh, they're good buddies of mine, and uh, I, I'd, I'd love to see them win it all. I don't know if uh, they're going to, but I can certainly hope. And then my my like wildcard team that I, I've never seen anything of before is uh, Zach and Wayne. 
Uh, like I wasn't aware of them before the show, hadn't seen anything they built, and they're just knocking it out of the park, and they're awesome. So I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to root for them too, and then like all <laughs> these other people that I know, uh, new people that I don't know. So I'm rooting for everybody at the same time. But uh, th there's there's a few that have uh, have of my particular enthusiasm. Yes, I mean it's it's really sort of feels like it's anyone's game. Um, you know, certainly I, I definitely like all the teams that you picked, but just to be different, I definitely am still rooting for Lauren and Brian. I think that they have like a really fun, infectious energy and the builds build skills to back it up. And then I think maybe my sleeper pick is Susan and Jen. You know, I, I definitely feel like they are incredibly competent builders and with the right challenges, you know, they tend to do really well. You know, we talked about their swan figure work, the spider in the last episode. So I think they've got the chop. So I'm going to have them as my dark horse pick in addition to everyone else um, that we, we talked. I, mean, I could go on to everyone. I'm feeling I'm looking at my list now of the teams and I'm like, we're forgetting about Michelle and Natalie. You know, we're forgetting about it's like we're forgetting about everyone. This is a really, really strong season and we have so much more to look forward to and hopefully even more fun times in the podcast and having, you know, Corey and Tyler back for more. So that's it. We're here at the end of the podcast. And I just want to say thank you both so much. Thanks, Tyler. Again, thanks, Corey, for your first time this season. Uh, Corey, you know, if people want to stay in touch with you they want to know what you're up to you know where can people keep track of you after the, you know after they listen to this podcast absolutely you can go and check me out on instagram sam's brago underscore llc uh that's where i post all of my awesome things uh brothers who brick uh you can check us out there for all of our charitable work that we're doing uh we do different charities here and there travis just wrapped up uh, man of the year for the leukemia lymphoma society uh his campaign that he was doing raised a lot of money for a great cause um so you can check us out both on those two platforms. Wow, that's amazing. You guys are always up to some fun stuff. And then Tyler, where can people stay in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Tyler Builds and Facebook, as well as my website, uh, tylerkleitz.com. Perfect. Well, thanks again to you both. And I'm guessing this won't be the last we hear from you, but thanks again for your time tonight. Awesome. <laughs> Happy to be here. This was such a fun episode to break down and Tyler and Corey were definitely the perfect guests to have on for this one. But there's more coming even this week as I've got an exit interview with Tim and Zach coming up soon. So be sure to subscribe for that one. And don't worry, because I'll be back next week to break down episode four with that fashion challenge, which should be a ton of fun. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. And if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review as it really helps others find the podcast. If you want even more Lego content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the Lego news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at Talk Bricks. And if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's Talk Bricks Masters. And on Twitter, it's TB Masters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.